0: Second Timothy chapter one, we'll begin at verse one, and let's read the word of the Lord together, shall we? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason... I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of power and love and discipline now Lord we thank you for this day for this opportunity to be in your house with your people and I ask now that you will open our hearts that we may hear and receive not so much what the preacher is going to say that we may hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them today. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I pray especially today for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. I ask that you will draw them back so that not one of them will be lost. Thank you for hearing our prayer. These prayers we pray today in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. A number of years ago, one of my cousins decided to do some research into the genealogy of the Morgan family tree. It would be a lot easier now since we have access to so much information available on the internet, but this was pre-internet days. From his research, we discovered one of the significant branches on our family tree is Cherokee Indian, but that branch, as you might imagine, is somewhat difficult to trace. This cousin wrote letters, made numerous trips to various places as part of his research. He became a little discouraged when he came across a member of the family who was a moonshiner and a horse thief in North Carolina. What caused him to abandon the project altogether was when he discovered a connection to an infamous pirate out of Wales. That's when he decided he had way too much information and just called the whole thing off. Today is the day we have set aside to honor mothers and I can't think of a better time to talk to you from God's word about the home and the family and especially about the unique influence mothers have on family traits and characteristics that are passed down from one generation to the next. Knowing something about your ancestry seems to satisfy a deep need of the human makeup. It it gives us roots. It gives us a sense of belonging. It Helps identify us, lets us know where we fit. Every person who listens to this message today is a composite of traits and characteristics that identify you as part of your particular family. Some of the things that run in your family are biological, They're, they're in your genes, your DNA. Some of them are derived from the area of the country where you were raised, they are cultural. Some of them come from what you were taught, what was modeled by your parents. All of those things and more are threads that run through your particular family and help make you who you are. For example, physical traits are part of what runs in the family. You may be able to make some changes in the way you look by diet and exercise or possibly through makeup and even surgery. But at the core, you look the way you do because of physical traits that run in your family. You know, here in the South, when someone bears a striking physical resemblance to another family member, we'll say, that boy is the spitting image of his daddy. (laughs) You know, the reason I look the way I do is a result of things I inherited from my parents and my grandparents going back several generations. The shape of my nose, the color of my eyes, the size of my ears, my height, it all goes back to my ancestral heritage. It runs in the family. Another thing that runs in the family is behavioral traits. These are things that are ingrained in my life through what was taught and modeled for me through my formative years. See, it was impossible to grow up in the home with my parents and not learn the value of hard work. I have been called by some tenacious, alternately stubborn and hard-headed, by those less charitable. But this particular trait was passed on to me From my father, my mother, and both sets of grandparents. Quite frankly, I don't really know just how many generations back this characteristic goes. The way we react to the daily stresses and strains of life is directly connected to what has been passed down to us. What we have learned from our families of origin. You know, some people seem to be naturally optimistic. Others seem to always lean towards seeing the glass half empty. It runs in the family. Not only are there physical traits that are handed down and behavioral traits that are passed along, but every one of us has been marked spiritually. There are spiritual traits that are passed along through the family line. One thing that has shaped me into the person I am today is my spiritual heritage. You can go back for generations in my family tree, and with the exception of that horse, horse thief and moonshiner I was telling you about earlier, you will find my ancestors to be people of faith. Followers of Jesus, men and women who loved God, were committed disciples of Jesus, and were faithful servants of the church. They possessed and then passed down to me an enduring, unshakable faith. My life has been indelibly marked by a spiritual heritage. The generations before me have built into the fabric of my life things like the importance of prayer, not as an exercise or a routine, But prayer as a living posture and constant awareness of God's presence. They built into my life a reliance on the Holy Spirit, a love and passion for God's word, a desire for the presence of God, and a commitment to trust God and follow his way because that is always the best way. When I was growing up, my parents were very intentional about this kind of thing. They were handing down the family line, especially as it related to spiritual formation. Well, it's this idea of being intentional about handing the right things down the family line that Paul is talking about to Timothy in the verses we read at the beginning of this message. When he reminds young Timothy of the faith that is in him, he says, which was also in his grandmother, Lois, and in his mother, Eunice. It's the faith they intentionally imparted into his life as a member of the family. It was this faith coupled with the gift in the life of Timothy through the laying on of hands by Paul that enabled the apostle to say to him with such confidence, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. These verses let us know it is possible to intentionally mark our children with spiritual qualities that will attract favor and blessing to their lives. It's possible to build something into the lives of the generation that comes after us that will cause them to be strong and productive and successful. What Paul is saying to Timothy is the same thing the Lord would say to you today. The spiritual traits that have been passed down the family tree are greater than any of the other characteristics you have inherited. Maybe your natural tendency as a result of what's been built into your system from your earliest days is a tendency toward timidity. But the spiritual trait is the dominant trait. This spiritual trait is the trait that supersedes all other characteristics. So stir up the gift that is within you. Fan it into flame. Foster it. Feed it. Let it burn more brightly. That spirit of timidity isn't the controlling spirit. You may have a natural tendency toward timidity, but there is another part of your inheritance that supersedes it. That timidity doesn't come from God. Instead, what God gives you is power and love and discipline. That's the dominant trait. That's the dominant inheritance. Now, it's a very simple message I bring to you today, but here's where I want you to track with me. The Spirit of the Lord has something he wants to speak very powerfully to somebody today. We hear all these stereotypes about people that are based on family traits. They're based on character traits that have been handed down through generations. They're generalized by ethnicity, by social standing, by economics, by by education, by genetics, by, by a host of influences. You know, we say things like, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. All of the stereotypes become limitations that we arbitrarily place upon ourselves And upon others. Too often, we have this tendency to pass down our personal limitations onto our children. So, we talk about the temper of the Irish. We talk about the passion of the Italians and the Latinos. We talk about the frugalness of the Scots and the Dutch. We talk about the reserve of the Brits. We talk about the industriousness of the Asians. We have all kinds of stereotypes that limit our potential. Here's a limiting stereotype. A boy growing up in a home where he doesn't know who his father is, mother works two or three jobs just to make ends meet, poorly educated, living in a crowded, dirty, drug infested, gang dominated inner city neighborhood in an economically depressed city. That young man has defeat written all over him. Or how about the sexually abused child, or the child whose parents are constantly fighting and are physically violent? Or the one who was used as a pawn in an ugly divorce? Or the one whose parents are alcoholics or addicts? What about the young girl who has such low self-esteem and every time she looks in the mirror, she sees herself not measuring up to the so-called ideal image that is portrayed as desirable in the media? So she takes laxatives and diet pills and at 87 pounds still sees herself as fat. Everybody looks at those negative circumstances and sees only limitations. Maybe maybe your past hasn't been ideal. Maybe what's been running through your family isn't all that positive. Maybe what's been handed to you includes heartache and tragedy and pain. Maybe you've been handed disappointment and sorrow. Maybe you've been handed abuse and shame. Maybe you have physical challenges. Maybe you've been handed poverty and disease. Maybe what's been handed to you includes abandonment and loneliness and hatred and distrust and promiscuity and a host of other negatives too horrible to even mention. If someone were to look at your present condition and then survey your family tree, they might read only impossibility and defeat and ruin. And I came to this pulpit on this Mother's Day to tell you that doesn't have to be the end of the story. I came to show you another side of your family. I came to tell you about a part of your inheritance that triumphs over all the negative parts. I came to tell you about a part of your inheritance you may not even realize exists. I came to tell you about a new possibility that's gonna change your position, change your outlook, and ultimately change your outcome. So as I do that, I want to know if I'm talking to any born-again believers who are followers of Jesus today. Okay, the rest of you, we can fix that before the service is over. Let me point you to a a passage in the New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. It's Galatians chapter 3 verses 23 through 29. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For you all were baptized into Christ. For all you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now watch this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise. And once again, let me ask you, how many of you have surrendered your life to Jesus, put your faith in him as your Savior? Okay, if that's you, then verse 26 that I just read to you says you are a child of God. According to verse 27, you are clothed with Christ. Verse 28 says that your ethnicity doesn't matter. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Your social status doesn't matter. There is neither slave nor free man. Your gender isn't the determining factor. There is neither male nor female. According to verse 29, you are in a different generational lineage. You're part of a different family tree than your biological family of origin. What does he say? He says, You are Abraham's offspring. You are now heirs according to the promise given to Abraham by God. Your old family heritage may have spelled disaster, defeat, or depression. Your old family heritage may have spelled poverty. Your old family heritage may have spelled bondage or addiction or perversion. But now, now that you are in Christ and Abraham's offspring, you have a new spiritual heritage that triumphs over your natural heritage. I'm not sure you fully realize what all has been handed down to you now that you're part of a new spiritual family. See, your new heritage comes through Abraham, who was a friend of God. You're not estranged from the Almighty. You're his friend. In your family tree is Moses, who spoke face to face with God. And you look like your spiritual ancestors. Woven into your DNA as part of your spiritual heritage is the forgiving spirit of Joseph. There's a strand in your spiritual DNA that gives you the strategic ability of Joshua. There's a strand in your spiritual DNA that gives you the strength of Shamgar, one of the judges who slew 600 Philistines with an ox goad. There's a strand in your spiritual DNA that gives you the resolve of Deborah. There's a strand in your spiritual DNA that gives you the devotion of Ruth. There's a strand in your spiritual DNA that gives you the courage of David. And even though he failed and sinned egregiously, he never lost the distinction of being a man after God's own heart. And that quality is built into your spiritual DNA. When you look into the mirror, that characteristic is staring back at you. In your spiritual DNA, you have the wisdom of Solomon. You have the leadership ability of Nehemiah. You have the power of Elijah. You have the anointing of Elisha. You have the compassion of Jeremiah. You have favor with people in positions of authority that you inherited from Esther. You have the boldness of Daniel. You have the determination of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You have the confidence of Ezekiel. That's built into your bloodline. That's your inheritance. That's what runs in your family. That's what's contained in your spiritual DNA. Let me take a moment and walk you through some of the things you inherit from your spiritual family. You don't even know about this, but it's right there. Your spiritual inheritance is Deuteronomy 28 and 13. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail, and you only shall be above, and you shall not be underneath, if you will listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. Your spiritual inheritance is Psalm 35, 37, and 25. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. Your spiritual inheritance is Psalm. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Your spiritual inheritance is Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Your spiritual inheritance is Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Your spiritual inheritance is Lamentation 3, verses 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindness is indeed never seen for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Your spiritual inheritance is Daniel 11:32. 32. But the people who know their God will display strength and will take action. Your spiritual inheritance is John 14 and 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Your spiritual inheritance is John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also let me tell you oh i'm not done your spiritual inheritance is romans 8 verses 35 through 39 who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword (laughs) just as it is written for your sake we are being put to death all day long we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered but in all these things i'm talking about you now in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord oh there's more there's more your spiritual inheritance is 2nd Corinthians 4 verses 8 and 9 we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not despairing Persecuted But not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Your spiritual inheritance is 2 Timothy 1 and 12. For I know whom I have believed, and I am fully convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Your inheritance is Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever amen your spiritual inheritance is revelation 21 and 15 behold I am making all things new your spiritual inheritance is revelation 22:21 the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That's what's in your bloodline. That's your inheritance. That's what's been handed down to you from generation to generation. That's what runs in your spiritual DNA. That's what runs in your family today. I wish somebody now would praise the Lord if you really believe that. Now, if if you get a handle on that truth, it will change your life. If you will start living according to your spiritual inheritance, you will never be the same. Your whole demeanor will change. Your lifestyle will change. Your outlook on life will change. And your outcome will be different as well. I want to know if anybody in this service is ready to embrace your spiritual heritage today. That's, that's for you. This, this is not just words on a page in the Bible. It's not just words spoken by a preacher. That's God's word to you. It's who you are. That's the encouragement I came to give you. But before we get out of here, I not only want to encourage you, I want to challenge you as well. I want to challenge you to live according to your spiritual heritage. Because that's what you're passing on to those with whom you have influence. You're passing along a heritage to your children and to your grandchildren. You're passing along a heritage to friends and neighbors and relatives and co-workers. Your life, whether you know it or not, your life is having an influence. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. The wise woman understands the incredible opportunity she has to pass along those godly characteristics that come from being part of a spiritual family. The wise woman builds her house. The wise woman doesn't leave it to chance, but like Lois and Eunice in our text, is intentional about passing along a spiritual heritage. You know, as a pastor, I spent a lot of time either bringing the message at or attending funerals. Just this last week was part of a funeral service here. And I've discovered there's nothing like a funeral To give you reason to pause and reflect on the kind of life you're living and what kind of heritage you're leaving. Whether you know it or not, it doesn't really matter what the preacher says after you're gone. (laughs) Because you're preaching your own funeral right now. You do it by the way you live. The way you live is what determines the kind of heritage you leave behind. Well, You may not have much to leave in terms of material wealth and possession can leave an inheritance much more valuable let me ask you when the words of your life are written will it read fear or faith will it tell of someone who cut and ran or will it tell of someone who stuck it out and was faithful will it speak of someone who was irresponsible will it speak of someone who was rock solid dependable I want you to be encouraged today as you understand the spiritual heritage that is yours because of faith in Jesus. But I want to do much more than just encourage you. I want to do more than just give you a reason to rejoice and celebrate. I want to challenge you. What are you passing along to future generations? Are you living in such a way that you would want those who come after you to reap the harvest of the seeds you're planting? What kind of spiritual heritage? What kind of spiritual DNA? is running in your family. Shall we pray? As we bow for just a moment, just want to take a moment in the presence of the Lord. Maybe be just a, a, a quiet time. And to ask if there's someone today that says, Pastor, you know, I am challenged. And I realize that... Uh, I need to make some adjustments. I need to make some adjustments in my life for what I'm leaving behind. Today, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm making a commitment. I'm deciding. See, you don't need a feeling. You don't need a sign. You you just make a decision. I'm deciding that I'm going to turn my life to the Lord in a new and fresh way. some areas where I've been walking according to my desires instead of God's desires for my life. So today, I'm deciding that I'm turning back to him. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything like that or call your name out, but if that's you and you're just going to do that in the quietness of your heart today, just so I know who you are, would would you just put your hand up and put it right back down, just just very quickly, thank you sir, thank you ma'am. Thank you, sir. Ma'am, thank you. Thank you. Over this house, hands are going up. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Father, thank you for your word that encourages as well as challenges us. And now there are people who are making a choice to turn to you in a new and fresh way from anything they've done before. Lord, there were so many hands, but it's entirely possible there are those that are just in their own heart, they're praying this, They, for whatever reason were uncomfortable raising a hand. That's okay too, because you see our heart. So I'm asking now that you will give us the help and the strength that we need to be able to do this. Give us the courage to walk this out in everyday life, day by day, step by step. And as we do, I pray that you will then come alongside and that you'll give us joy in the journey, that you'll lighten the loads that we carry, and that you'll cause our way to be fruitful and successful. I believe you for that, Lord. Thank you for touching us and helping us today. Thank you for your faithfulness to us that even when we've wandered away and we've done our own thing and we've ignored your plan, you have been so patient and kind and merciful and gracious to us. So now, Lord, we turn back to you. We turn with our whole heart. As much as we know our heart, we turn to you now. And I thank you for hearing the cry of our heart. And I thank you for helping us where we need you the most. you just take a moment in your own way, in your own words, just offer up your thanksgiving to the Lord right now, just as you're most comfortable doing that.